Send out your light and your truth, that they may lead me, and bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. 
Give thanks to him and call upon his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his faithfulness endures from age to age. For you will not abandon me to the grave, nor let your Holy One see the pit. You will show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the book of Exodus. The Israelites had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a princely kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you will speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. The people all answered as one, Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And we respond together in the words of Canticle 9. Surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. For the Lord is my stronghold and my sure defense, and he will be my savior. Therefore you shall draw water with rejoicing from the springs of salvation. And on that day you shall say, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make his deeds known among the peoples. See that they remember that his name is exalted. Sing the praises of the Lord, for he has done great things, and this is known in all the world. Cry aloud, inhabitants of Zion, ring out your joy. For the Great One in the midst of you is the Holy One of Israel. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy, and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to it, to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me, as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May our thoughts, words, and actions be holy and acceptable in your sight, O God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Last week was Trinity Sunday, and on that day we heard Jesus give the Great Commission to his disciples. It's when he sent the disciples out into the world, to all nations, encouraging to baptize and to preach the good news. This week in our Gospel reading, we hear another sending out of the disciples. This time the sending out is from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. 
And this sending out doesn't begin with some great and grand plan, but in a simple, normal, everyday moment. Jesus, as he's going around and ministering to people and teaching and healing, saw the tremendous amount of need and was moved to compassion. He saw people suffering, people who were ravaged by illness, people who couldn't see a way forward, people distraught and worn down by the cares of the world, and compassion welled up inside of him. The divine heart responded to the ardent cries of the world around him and was compelled to act. But it was more than he could handle on his own. The plentiful harvest was more than he could manage. So Jesus extends his ministry through his disciples. He empowers them to be participants within his own ministry, to carry out that work on his behalf. In partnership with Jesus, these disciples now had power over the evil forces active in this world. They could cure disease and offer people comfort and a hopeful future. But it's what comes next that captures my attention. Jesus' instructions on how they were to go about extending his ministry. Jesus tells them, you received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Now this is shocking. This should be astounding. The disciples were sent out to participate in Jesus' ministry with virtually nothing. No money, not even a change of clothes. I don't think any of us would go out on a venture equipped in such a way. Ulrich Lutz, the theologian, claims that This is a way of establishing that Jesus' ministry was different from other wandering itinerant miracle workers and teachers of the first century. You see, there were many people going around performing wonders and teaching and sharing spiritual advice at this time, but they were all charging for their services. They were all doing it to get something back. It was a way of earning a living but not Jesus. By refraining from this, by being different from this, Jesus brings the motive back to sacred compassion. This isn't about something else. It's about compassion. It's about love for the people that were around him. Jesus wasn't out to become famous or wealthy. He wasn't out to be some sort of first century equivalent of a celebrity tele-evangelist. He was there to save people, save people physically and spiritually. And while this emphasized contrast between Jesus' ministry and the ministry of other people at the time, it makes sense and and it points things out differently. But 
I think perhaps there might be some deeper message for us this morning, something perhaps more profound that's going on here. And I think that that idea is is the idea that the disciples were enough in and of themselves to carry out God's work in the world. They didn't need the fancy incantations of other miracle workers. They didn't need lots of money. They didn't even need the right clothes. Just they themselves were enough. Part of what's so shocking about this part of the reading for me is is the current state of things in our own conceptions of what ministry is. If I look around my room right now, I, I have commentaries, a notebook, a couple different Bibles, a book of common prayer, sort of hymnal combo, a laptop, a ring light like the kind Instagram influencers use so that my face is properly illuminated. I'm wearing a cassock and surplice and a stole of which I have several. And, you know, we could keep going on listing of all the things that's necessary for this morning. I'm powerfully struck by how different this is from Jesus' discalced disciples and their single tunics and absence of bags. Now, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. The tools that we surround ourselves with, that we use, are what enable us to gather here together on a Sunday morning as Trinity Church. If we didn't have these things, how else would we be able to come together in worship and in prayer? Our focus should be directed towards the fact that these are just tools. They're not things that make us participant in Jesus' ministry. They're just tools that we are using in that ministry. I wonder what other things we conceive of as necessary to be ministers of the gospel. In our denomination and in most denominations of Christianity, a three-year degree, an MDiv, is required for ordination. Three years of study, both practical and theoretical. Or maybe we think of specialized formation. Maybe it's formation to be a deacon or education for ministry and and, and all of these things are good things, and they enable us to do our work better, but I think this is exactly what our gospel lesson today pushes against. While these tools are helpful, they're not necessary to engage in Jesus' work. We are enough in and of ourselves to participate in Jesus' ministry, And just as the disciples were sent out 2,000 years ago, we too are called to be an extension of this holy ministry in the world. We ourselves, just as we are, we don't need to carry the currency of a right education. We don't need the garments of a special office or position within a society to respond to Jesus. Jesus calls to us right where we are and right as we are and says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
So what awakens sacred compassion within you as Jesus was moved to compassion? What are the things that you see in the everydayness of your lives, in the world that you walk around in, that elicit this feeling of compassion? Maybe it's the injustice of racism, the injustice of individual racism and systemic racism, the things that we are seeing so vividly in our world today, where the color of your skin determines how people treat you, including those who are vowed to serve and protect. Maybe it's the plight of those who have been imprisoned. Maybe it's the physical hunger around us. Maybe it's the spiritual hunger that seems to be everywhere around us that creates compassion within your soul. Maybe it's the prevalent struggles with mental health or addiction. The things that keep us from being the full creatures that God created us to be. Maybe it's the plight of people who have seemed to have lost their way and are living without hope. Whatever it is, I think it's worth taking time to think about what stirs compassion within you, because this stirring of compassion within us is from God, and it's where God is calling us to work. It's sort of an indicator, a signal of what work we should be engaged in. And the good news is, we have everything we need to participate in Jesus' ministry. We're enough. Don't wait for some day when you think you're somehow good enough or possess the correct tools and all the right things or think that it's the perfect moment, because that moment will never come. The harvest is plentiful now, and the laborers are few now, and you, in partnership with God, is enough now. Amen. Let us affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray in the words our Savior Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O Lord, in all the world, for only in you can we live in safety. Lord, keep this nation under your care and guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and sustain us with your Holy Spirit. The Collect for today, the second Sunday after Pentecost. Keep, O Lord, your household, the church, in your steadfast faith and love, that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion. For the sake of our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Collect for Sunday. O God, you make us glad with the weekly remembrance of the glorious resurrection of your Son, our Lord. Give us this day such blessing through our worship of you, that the week to come may be spent in your favor. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please join me in praying to God for healing and comfort, mercy, and a renewed commitment to follow Jesus, saying, Lord, hear our prayer. O God of compassion, giver of life and health, we pray your healing mercies upon all people, the sick and those who care for them, the grieving and all who comfort them in their sorrow. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for courage and wisdom for our leaders and for our church as we discern our individual role and our community's call to heal the divisions which infect our country. Lord, hear our prayer. We ask, Heavenly Father, that we be guided by your spirit of love and by our baptismal promise to respect the dignity of every human being and all your creation. Help us witness to your purpose with renewed integrity. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for those on our parish prayer list, Edith, Susie and Ellen, Edie, Barbara, Orly, Matthew, Colby, Jean, Jane, Sandra, Daniela, Michael, Mart, Scott, Matt, Charlie, Nigel, Christine, Ryan and Kim, Greg, Linda and John, Shannon, Lydia, Bill, Paul, Ellen, Will, Peter, Nancy, Marjorie, Larry, Vic, Robert, Audrey, Doug, Susan, Mary Sue and Charles, 
Isabel, Christina, Sergio, Tom, Joan, Caroline, Margot, Gina, James, Betty Ann, Barbara, Sue, Justin, Jim and Deborah, Rick, Carol and John, and all those you name now. And we pray for those who have died. May they rest in the joys of heaven in God's loving embrace. Lord, hear our prayer. Mercifully accept these our prayers, O God of all comfort, and our only help in time of need. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, by whose spirit the whole body of your faithful people is governed and sanctified, Receive our supplications and prayers which we offer before you for all members of your holy church, that in their vocation and ministry they may truly and devoutly serve you through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, friends. It made me so happy this morning to put on the green stole, the wonderful uh, long green season of ordinary time um, that we celebrate every year over the summer. Uh, the point of ordinary time is to, for each of us to rest a bit from all of the feast days and to engage in our ministry, to do the work of our lives together as followers of Jesus. This morning, I'd particularly like to thank Christopher for bringing us the good word. Wonderful to have a partner in the pulpit. Uh, very grateful uh, to have him here, and I look forward for all of you to have a chance to meet him as well. I will be away this week on a week of much-needed vacation, and so Christopher will be in charge, and all of his contact information was in yesterday's window. And remember, you can always simply call the church. Um, he's extension 14, and those messages get to him wherever he is. So please feel free to reach out to him and to call on him. I did want to say uh, a brief word about these past couple of weeks and our Trinity Church in response to so many of the calls and emails and one-on-one -on -one conversations that I've had with many of you. And thank you for that. And thank you also for those who participated in last week's coffee hour conversation where we talked about, um, about race and racism and white privilege. Certainly that platform of Zoom is not an, it, not, not ideal is, is, is the kindest way to say it, but, uh, Thank you for your being willing to share and to be vulnerable in that space, even though it felt quite unnatural. So one question that I hear sort of as a consistent theme through all of these conversations is, what are we to do? What are we to do? And so what I want to do this morning is remind us of all the things we are already doing to live into our baptismal promises of ministry. Trinity has, throughout its history, recognized that our world is broken, that there is suffering and hunger, people without shelter, people in prison, inequality in our education systems, and need everywhere, even right here in Concord. 
The recent pandemic has exposed these matters afresh for many of us and reminded us how they disproportionately affect people of color. But Trinity's response throughout our history has been to serve God's people with faith and hope. We have more than 50 years of ministry, money and countless hours of time and connection with our neighbors in prison through Concord Prison Outreach and feeding our homeless neighbors in Boston through the MANA program. We support Open Table and the Massachusetts Coalition for the Homeless when we built those beds for young neighbors who do not have one. Education is a priority for Trinity too. We have long-standing partnerships with St. Stephen's Youth Program, which provide educational opportunities to young people in Boston, and with the Mary Nyundo School for Girls in Rwanda. So today, and in all the days going forward, please tell each other the stories of how you live out your baptismal promises, how you follow Jesus in his call to us to love God and love neighbor. Perhaps that's the way you pass the peace today and over the next few weeks. Instead of just saying peace, ask the person how they are serving God and serving neighbor. What are you doing in God's name as you live out your calling? The events of the past couple of weeks are also a reminder that we are always called to grow in our faith to learn about the experience of other people, to listen, and to confront and repent of our complicity and participation in the injustice of our world. But we do that while we continue to do our ministry. Trinity is a large parish with many different perspectives and experiences. You have done a remarkable job over the past months to stay connected and to be church. Final point. Our goal as a church, as a church community, is never to attempt to reach consensus around political issues. That would be impossible, and it's actually not what the church is. Our goal is to remember who we are as God's beloved, differently gifted, equally cherished, and committed as a body to gather around God's table all together, in spite of and with all our differences. That vision, that vision of all of us gathered around God's table, is what makes church different from all the other spaces and places in our world. It's why being a follower of Jesus is inherently a radical position. We claim our role as those who point to the kingdom, who do our human best with God's help and mercy and love to live with that as our reality, in spite of what we see and experience in the divided world. That's powerful stuff, friends. That's what gets me up in the morning, is that hope and that vision So let us continue to be church, faithful followers of Jesus, 
doing the work we have been given to do to grow in faith and understanding while continuing to care for each other and for our neighbors. May God's people say, let it be so. Amen. Let us join together in the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise not only with our lips but in our lives by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. My friends, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Say.